you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about um, the Holy Spirit. And uh, week one, we just sort of laid a foundation by talking about the theology of the Holy Spirit, who he is, what his nature is like, um, and how he ministers in and through us. In week two, we um, started with what Jesus said, that it is better that he goes away so that the Holy Spirit can come. And then we looked at what the Holy Spirit's coming meant for us. And then last week, Johnny did a great job of walking you through Romans chapter 8 and and, um, Galatians 5, which addresses what it means to be led by or to uh, walk by the Spirit. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to to get online and listen to what you missed because Johnny did a great job of giving an overview of this issue of being led by the Holy Spirit. But today I want to build on what Johnny talked about last week because this issue of being led or guided by the Holy Spirit is a much bigger issue than we really can be addressed in one week. And I think it's one of the most important things for you to grasp as a believer. Second only to placing your trust in Christ for your salvation, I think, is knowing how to walk by the Spirit. Notice what Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 16. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I believe that that letting of the Holy Spirit guiding your life is the most important let of your life. Right, like you can let a lot of things happen in your life. You can let the Mavericks disappoint you because they didn't get into the playoffs, right? You can let yourself be influenced by people and countless things, both good and bad, right? You can let your you can let a lot of things happen in your life, but the most important let is that you let the Holy Spirit guide you. And my prayer for you today is that you would decide to let the Holy Spirit guide you in every area of your life. I mean, talking about the Holy Spirit, and and a couple weeks ago we talked about, um, you know, some of the evidence of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and and stuff like that. And, um, you know, my prayer is not that you would be able to speak in tongues or prophesy. My number one prayer for you today is that you would relinquish control of your life And let the Holy Spirit guide you, because this is the most important thing in your spiritual life besides trusting in Christ. If you don't get what we're talking about today, you will struggle, and you will wander in the desert spiritually. But if you get what we're talking about today, it will change your life. Not because of my message, but because of the Word of God. So, how do you let the Holy Spirit guide you. Galatians 5 tells us. But I want to give you some background before we get started. So we know that, that the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. He got born again when he met Jesus on some, was it the road to Damascus? I don't remember. Anyway, one of those roads. And he, Jesus called Paul to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So he had three main missionary journeys. And on all three missionary journeys, he traveled through the region of Galatia. And he planted, he preached the gospel and planted churches in every town and village he went to. Well, sometime after his third missionary trip through Galatia, some people called Judaizers came through. And they said, well, yes, 
you can believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised and follow all these Jewish religious customs if you really want to please God, right? So Paul gets word of this while he's in prison in Rome, and he writes this letter to set them straight, all right? And he's dealt with it a few times throughout the letter. We're picking up in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. In other words, you can't do both Christ and the law. Right? By his grace, God provided a way to be right with him through faith in Christ. And any attempt to be made right with God by obeying the law, any law, not just circumcision, or, or any kind of legalism, any, any attempt to try and be made right with God by what you do means falling away from grace. And Christ is of no value to you. See, either Jesus came to fulfill the law on your behalf, or he didn't. If he did, then you don't have to obey the law to be made right with God, which is the message of the gospel. But if he didn't, then in order for you to be made right with God, you have to obey the whole law, which, Scripture goes on to tell us, is impossible, right? Romans 3.20 says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So it's either all in with Christ or all in with the law. But the choice is clear, right? The law does nothing for us. All right, let's go on. Verse 5. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait... To receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. That's a really interesting verse. Have you ever really thought about what that verse is saying? Notice what he says. We who walk by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive what? How many of you thought you were righteous when you believed in Christ? But how many of you have sinned since you believed in Christ? Wow, that's not nearly as many people as I thought. <laughs> okay. um, part of the gospel message is that when you place your trust in Christ, the righteousness of Jesus is credited to you so that you can be adopted into God's family, right? Which is the spiritual process of what theologians call justification, okay? Justification is the righteousness of Jesus being credited to you when you place your faith in Christ, okay? You didn't earn it. You didn't earn this righteous standing with God. You didn't earn being right with God. It just was given to you. That's justification, okay? But that's not the end of the story, is it? 
Because Scripture says that God who began a good work in you will continue this work until it is finally finished on the day that Christ returns. So even though we are credited with the righteousness of Jesus when we believed, God wants to continue to build righteous character in you, which happens, as we'll see in a few minutes, when we follow the Holy Spirit. A spiritual process that theologians call sanctification. And sanctification is the lifelong process of the Holy Spirit building God's righteousness or God's righteous character in you. So we who walk by the Spirit, we realize that we're, we've been granted justification, the righteousness be, be, been made right in God because Jesus' righteousness was credited to us, but we eagerly await for the fullness of this righteousness to come, right? And it's not here yet because you still sin, and I still sin. Not much, but I still do. I'm just kidding. I sin a lot. I mean, I mean not on purpose, but <clears throat> let's move on. Um, but part of walking the Spirit means eagerly waiting for the fullness of righteousness to be produced in your life. Because we're not perfect yet. The Holy Spirit is working to transform us more and more into the image of Christ because the fullness of of righteousness hasn't come yet. But we're eagerly waiting for it, right? But the way you don't do that is by going back to the law. Listen to what Paul says as he continues. Verse 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. Or whatever law, you name it, right? Pick one. What's important is faith expressing itself in love. That's the most important thing. All of our energy should be focused on our faith being expressed in love. Okay? Verse 7. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing these false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want, you, who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul's obviously pretty upset, right? Um, because someone has come along behind him and led these people in Galatia astray by telling them that they can believe in Jesus, but they've also got to follow some religious law, okay? If, which is just a big fat lie, all right? Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, isn't that an awesome? You've been called to live in freedom. But freedom from what? Freedom from slavery to the law, right? Verse 1 said, don't get tied up again in slavery to the law, right? Now, there are some of us who will, like, read this first part of verse 13 um, 
and are like, yes, I love this church, man. You can drink, you can smoke dope. Well, maybe you can't smoke dope because we're in Colorado. We're not in Colorado. But, you know, there are many of us who hear the first part of verse 13 and think, I love this. This is awesome. Jim preaches it right, y'all. But you'd be taking the first part of verse 13 completely out of context. Look what the whole thing says. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. See, the reason he said this is because there's something in this that hears the word freedom and thinks, Woohoo! I can live any way I want. But Jesus didn't sacrifice his life for you so that you can live any way you want. He gave his life to set you free from the bondage of sin. Let's keep reading. I'll show you what I mean. Verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, what does he mean, obligation to the law there? This obligation to the law is really an obligation to sin. Okay, He's talking about the bondage of sin. And honestly, the bondage to the law and the bondage to sin are pretty much synonymous, okay? See, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that the law and sin are two completely different things that God set us free from, or Jesus set us free from. And in, in a sense, they are two different things, but they are, they are completely connected together, okay? Remember what we read earlier in Romans 3, right? That the purpose of the law was what? To show us our sin, right? So they're, they're completely connected together, okay? Paul explains this in, in further detail in Romans 7. He says, When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. Here we see the law and sin completely connected. But now we've been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. Okay? So here we see sin and the law are connected, right? Because the purpose of the law is to reveal the sin in us. So when Galatians 5.18 says that when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not on obligation to the law of Moses, it also means we're not obligated to sin. And we're going to see that in a few minutes too. But look again at verse 16 and 17. 
He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. See, there are two sides of you battling to lead you in two different directions. Your born-again spirit and your unredeemed flesh are at war within you. And that's because we're not, we don't have the fullness of righteousness yet, right? You have a side of you that wants to do wrong, that's selfish, that only seeks self-gratification. It's what the Bible calls the flesh or the sinful nature. Um, you also have a side of you that wants to do God, what God wants. And you didn't always have this side of you. I mean, you did, but it was dead. But when you became born again, you placed your trust in Christ. Your spirit was made alive. And then this newly born spirit wants to do what God desires you to do, right? But you get to decide in your mind which way you're going to go. That's why the, the very first verse we looked at said, let yourself be guided by the Holy Spirit. You get, you get to choose, right, which way you're going to go. Um, let me illustrate. And we've, we've done this illustration before, but I know some of you haven't seen it. Uh, I need three volunteers. Come on up. First three. All right. Uh, come stand up here. All right. Perfect. Um, now, lock arms. All right. So... We're made of three parts, right? Um, body, soul, and spirit, okay? Your spirit part of you as well as made new when you were born again, when you became a Christ follower. Your body is this flesh that we live in that's going to pass away one day. Um, and then you've got your soul, which is made up of your mind and your will and your emotions. Your soul and your spirit are eternal. Your body is not, okay? So we're going to call this our body. She's our soul, and she's our spirit, okay? So, when you're born again, you have this, you, the spirit, I mean the soul, gets to choose which way you go. The spirit's pulling this way, go ahead, and the flesh is pulling this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, this, <laughs> so, a lot of us feel... <laughs> kind of makes sense, huh? I know, right? For a lot of us, our flesh is a lot stronger, right? Because we're feeding our flesh all the time, right? And for some of us, our spirit is not very strong because we don't really spend time feeding our spirit. And so this is what happens most of the time. The stronger side wins. But the soul still gets to decide. And whichever way you decide, it's two to one against the other, okay? Right? But... Um, the other thing is, is kind of cool, too, and we've never really done this with this illustration before. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and what's one of his names? Helper, exactly. Part of his job is to help us in this struggle, okay? So he's helping pull this way, and he has got to follow, okay? <laughs> 
All right, you guys get what I'm saying? Okay, thanks, guys. So let the Holy Spirit guide you so you won't give in to your sinful nature. See, Christ has set us free from the bondage of the law of sin and death. Okay? But don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Instead, let the Holy Spirit guide you so that you won't give in to the sinful nature. Then, Paul goes on to show us what it looks like whenever we decide, you know, depending on whether we follow our sinful nature or the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Excuse me. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, and just... Just so that we, you know, they're not confused by these terms, let me make this very clear, okay? These first three things in this list, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures, are any kind of sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, okay? That's what the Bible teaches, okay? Um, If we had time time, I could walk you through several scriptures, and that makes very clear that sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures are any kind of sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And yes, that includes pornography, gentlemen. I actually had a guy tell me one time that pornography wasn't a sin because it wasn't listed in the Bible. Seriously? Give me a freaking break. I mean... <laughs> I mean, if you, if you think that anything is not under one of those headings, you're just deceiving yourself, right? Listen, here's the litmus, litmus test for sin. If you have to hide it, it's sin, okay? Um, if you can't do it with your spouse and you have to keep it hidden, it's sin, right? And if you're not married and engaged in any kind of sexual activity, it is sin, okay? Next one, idolatry. Now, granted, we don't make idols of stone and wood and bow down to them like they did in the Old Testament. But an idol is anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. And there are a lot of things that we seek after to try and give us what God can only give us. We did a whole series on that last fall called Ghost Town. And if you feel like you're struggling in that area, I encourage you to get online and listen to that series. It's it's really good. Um, But the list goes on. Sorcery which is witchcraft, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. How many of us struggle with that, right? Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So, because he said that last phrase, clearly this is not an exhaustive list. And, you know, let's be honest. You really don't need an exhaustive list to know if you're sinning, right? You know when you sin. You have the Holy Spirit in you convicting of you that, right? Um, But what this passage is telling us is that the fruit of following the desires of your sinful nature is sin. That's the fruit of following your flesh. Whenever you follow what your flesh wants or your sinful nature wants, the result... The fruit is sin. We know that because the, verse, the way verse 19 starts out. 
When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results or fruit is very clear. Okay? And honestly, these are just counterfeits of what God really wants to give you through the Spirit-led life. See, we all have this void in us that only God can satisfy through being led by the Spirit. But we buy into lies all the time telling us that these other things are going to satisfy. So we try to sex it up, and we try to drink it up, and we try to money it up, and we try to even anger it up to try and fill that void that only God can fill. The passage ends like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me be clear what this means, okay? I hope you understand that we're not made right with God by anything that we do or don't do, right? You guys have that, right? That's not what this is saying, okay? But if this is the kind of fruit that your life is is producing, then I would really question whether or not you've surrendered your life to Jesus and have the Holy Spirit living in you, right? Um, Because if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, there should be some kind of fruit and evidence. If this is what your life is producing, I would really doubt that you're a Christian, you're born again. But that's not to say that you don't struggle with some of these things from time to time, right? Because we don't have the fullness of righteousness yet, right? We can make the decision to follow after our fleshly desires. Um, But if your life is characterized this way, then I really doubt you're a follower of Jesus. So the fruit of following the desires of your sinful nature is sin. But letting the Holy Spirit guide you produces good fruit. Verse 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And again, I think a lot of people take this verse out of context and just read it to say, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our our lives naturally, right? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me, this is what's going to happen. No. What's this whole passage talking about? Letting the Holy Spirit guide you. If you're following the desires of your sinful nature, you're going to bear different kind of fruit. But if you're following the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit you're going to bear, okay? Now, you guys realize that this is... Not a list, these two lists here are not a list of do's and don'ts, right? These aren't things you try to do or try not to do, right? This is fruit. These two passages are a list of fruit that indicate where you're, what you're being led by, okay? Whether it's the Holy Spirit or the sinful desires. So if you're not a loving, kind type of person then that fruit indicates you're not letting the Holy Spirit guide you. And you're letting your sinful nature guide you. And you need to make some adjustments. If you don't have joy or peace, then that's fruit, evidence, that you're not being led 
by the Spirit. That you're letting your sinful nature guide you. If you don't have any self-control, you are not letting the Holy Spirit guide you. Because if you're not letting, if if you're letting the if you're if you're letting the Holy Spirit guide you, you have the power to say no whenever you're tempted to sin. If you have no self-control, you are not letting the Holy Spirit guide you. Okay. Paul goes on by telling us how we're actually able to do this. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Let me read that again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean literally nailing our sins and passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross of Jesus Christ. But it it, it does mean in a spiritual sense, okay? Um, And there's something interesting here. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about, uh, we were reading Ephesians 5.18 that said, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that, that the verb, be filled, was a perfect tense verb, which we don't have in our language, so it's really difficult to translate. But it means be being filled or be filled to an ongoing result, right? It doesn't just happen once. It's something you continually do throughout your life. Here it is again, though. Perfect tense verb in this verse, okay? Um, where it says, um, where is it? The verb have nailed. It's, it's translated in a past tense in, in English because we don't have perfect tense to translate it into. But this, in the Greek, is a perfect tense verb. Okay? And again, we don't have perfect tense in our language, and so there's no way to really say it. Um, but in the Greek language, they have perfect tense, which, again, indicates an ongoing result. Okay? The idea here is, yes... If we, when we become born again, we ascribe that all of our sins were nailed to the cross when Jesus died there, right? But this is an ongoing thing we do in a spiritual sense, okay? The idea here is to continually nail the passions and desires of your sinful nature to his cross. Every day and as many times a day as you need to. Nail the passions and desires of your sinful nature to the cross of Christ to an ongoing result. And how do we do that? How do we nail the passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross? Well, in a practical sense, again, we're speaking spiritually. This is how it's all done spiritually. But in a practical sense, here's what I believe that we, that we can do. By the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, renounce all fellowship to sin or to that particular sin that you're struggling with. By the power of the Holy Spirit in you, renounce all fellowship with that sin. Romans 8 helps us understand this concept, okay? Let's look at Romans 8, verse 11 through 14. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living in you. 
Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This passage is so incredibly powerful. I mean, if we just believed it and actually did what it says, our lives would change drastically in our struggle with sin. I mean, think about it. The person of the Holy Spirit, whom we've been talking about the last few weeks, is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus didn't raise himself. The Holy Spirit did it, right? The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Think about the kind of power to be able to do that. He raised Jesus from the dead, and he lives in us. (laughs) That same Holy Spirit lives in you. And then there's a promise after that, that just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will what? He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. That's an awesome promise. Do you believe that promise? I mean, do you really believe that the Holy Spirit is able to here and now give life to these unredeemed parts of our being? Do you really believe that? If so, you have no obligation then to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit, again, it's always through him, you put to death or nail to the cross the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. See, the death and resurrection of Jesus is all about setting us free from the power of sin and death. I mean, it's not, it's not just so we get to heaven... That's not what it's only about. The, 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 the death and resurrection of Jesus is all about setting us free from the power of sin and death. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, God placed the sins of the world on him. He was the perfect, spotless lamb that atoned for all the sin of the world. Right? Your sin was on that cross. Okay? That's why Galatians 5.24 tells us we can nail the desires of our sinful nature to the cross. That's where we put to death or renounce all fellowship that we have with sin. It has no power over us anymore. We are not in bondage to it anymore. It, It is not our friend. And it is no longer a part of our lives. That's what renouncing it means. You just say no anymore. It is not my friend. It brings death. No. It is not a part of my life anymore. It's a it's a exercise of faith where you renounce all fellowship with that thing. You put it to death. And that frees us to live by the Spirit. Verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And that just simply means that we follow the Holy Spirit's leading 
in all your thoughts, tempers or attitudes, words, and actions. That means you are ever conscious of his leading in you, right? You have to always be conscious that he's there leading you. If you ignore him, you're not being guided by him. It's something you always have to be conscious of. But you also have to put to death the, 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 the desires of your sinful nature on the cross, right? So if you've crucified your sinful nature of the cross, there is no longer a ruling power in your life. The Holy Spirit living in you is now your guide to lead you how you think, the attitudes you have, the words you say, and the things you do. Amen? All right. I just want to extend an invitation to you guys. If you're ready to let the Holy Spirit lead your life, and maybe you have at one point, but you've gotten way off track, you can't remember the last time you really thought about letting the Holy Spirit guiding you, or maybe you never have heard this before, but if you're ready to let the Holy Spirit guide your life, I just want you to raise your hand. See those hands everywhere. God, I just thank you so much for all these who are just surrendering to your Holy Spirit, God. This is the way you this is the way you intended us to live. Lord, so many of us have put our own selves back in bondage to sin because we've either just surrender to our flesh, our, our sinful desire nature, our sin nature, or we try to earn right standing with you, which only results in revealing our sin. There's only one way. You made a way for us to have right standing with you, and you gave that to us through Jesus Christ. But from that point forward, God, you intended us to be led by your spirit day in, day out, minute by minute. Every word that comes out of our mouth, every thought that courses through our mind, we take, we take wrong thoughts captive and we, we, we cast them away and we embrace only good things. We, the, the things we do, the attitudes we have, everything is led. We follow your leading in that's how you intended us to live, God. I pray, Father, for each and every one of us that you would help us, God. From this point forward, to remember that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us to help us, to help us make the right decision to not follow the, the leading of our sinful nature and to follow the leading of the Spirit. That's what he's there for. Help us, God, to get this. Help us, God, to get this so that every single day we're not giving in to the to the our sin nature, but we're giving in, surrendering to, allowing ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you're doing in us what only you can do. Help us to do our part. Be that constant reminder. Help us to always be cognizant of 
your spirit in us so that we can live a life that would bring honor and glory to you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen.